Hello, and welcome to the Finding the Magic Book podcast. This is season two, episode one, and I'm thrilled for my podcast to be heading into its second season for 2022. I have a great lineup of authors for you to meet this year. If you love books, discovering new reads, and hearing about the story behind the story directly from the authors, this is the place for you. Whether you like fantasy, sci-fi, dystopian, or romance titles, I think you'll find something to love in my playlist. My name is Trisha Copeland, and I'm your host for the show. I write in several genres, including YA fantasy and dystopian, as well as new adult romance. You can learn more about me and find all my books on my website at trishacopeland.com. Today's guest is dystopian author Barbara J. Gilbert. Listen in to find out more about Barbara and her books. Is where I'm going to. Hi, Barbara. Hello. How are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing okay. It's exciting to get to know you and your books a little bit better. So why don't we just jump in? Tell me about what we're seeing in your background here. Okay, so what you're seeing is the first book, Future Apocalypse, over here on, on the on the blue side, um, called Beginnings. Then in the middle, got to get out of the way, you can see Future Apocalypse, Journey to the City of Technology. And then the last one is Homeward Bound. It's a three-book series. It's about a young, brilliant woman who creates and invents time travel. She wants to learn about the future and technology. So she goes 250 years in the future, ends up getting stuck in a post-apocalyptic world. She needs help. She searches for that help, finds a group of people. And so in book two, that group of people uh, help her discover and go across the Cascade Mountains to a city of technology where she finds part of her help but needs to complete the you know, complete stuff. Um, and the city of technology is not all that it seems to be. In book three, she's traveling through time and history, trying to prevent the city of technology from changing the past, as well as trying to get home. Wow, that is a lot going on. That sounds like super fun. I love dystopian books and with a little bit of sci-fi, so yeah, those, and they are young adult books. Is that correct? Or are they more adult? They, t- they turned out to be more of a young adult book. Um, I don't, I think the only swear word I use is hell. And that's like maybe three or four in the whole series. Um, I kept my violence down, even though in book two, there is some violence. I kind of alluded to some of that, you know, adults would pick it up a lot easier than kids would probably. Um, but I wanted to keep it down because I had nieces and nephews that wanted to read the book. And so I didn't want to, to get really graphic. Um, and in, you know, in book three, there's some history in there. So throughout the whole series, whether you're an adult or a young adult, or even a 12 year old, there are morals that are implied in the story. There are, um, you know, there's history. So they're getting some history, um, so there's just things built into the story that help people realize like things like, you know, it's not right to steal. It's not right to kill either, unless you're defending yourself, you have no choice. So there's those different things um, throughout the book. Yeah. I can't imagine going 250 million years in the future. That's a really- oh, 250 
250 years, not million. Oh, uh, uh, not 250 million. Oh, 250, but still, that's a long time. I mean, think about just the last 125 years and how far we've come. So to imagine, how did you even start imagining what technology might be there 250 years in the future? Well, I didn't really have to focus so much on what technology would be there initially because it was post-apocalyptic world. But when I got into uh, book two, I had to learn a lot about uh, survival skills. So there's a lot of things on how to survive, how to make snares and things like that. And when we get to the end of the book, I had to start thinking more about what the city of technology was, but they're still semi-primitive in regards to what we have today. And in book three, you find out where these people actually came from and that they do have the technology uh, available, but they're keeping it, well, Anyways, they have it available. (laughs) Yeah, I don't want to give away too much. But you find out some things about this city that are hidden. Very cool. So have you read the book, The 100, or the book that The 100 CW show is based on? It's (laughs) it's reminding me very much of that. I love that show. Oh, I love that show too. But that gets pretty gruesome. It's pretty violent. It Um, it does. It gets gruesome and violent. I tend to now in one of my books, if I get to uh, actually writing it, um, I did make some contacts with somebody from that used to work at the CDC. I know of, I, I know of a local virologist. Um, so if I ever get into that, that one might be more of an adult book because it's going to have to be a little more gruesome because of what's going on. In right. But yeah. yeah, some of those um, CW, the 100 episodes, I, I just had to like fast forward through some of the scenes because, and even just the thought of some of the situations they were in was just like made your skin crawl. But it's at the right. same time, it's fun and it's fun to explore human nature and mm-hmm. what someone would do put in that situation or think about what you would do if you were put in that situation exactly you know even in my books I have there's some jealousy going on uh, love twists going on um, things of that nature Uh, so you know I try to portray as much as I can with the different personalities um, but you know keeping it light so that young people can read the book and 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 that type of thing so do we get a happy ending at every the end of every book or do we get cliffhangers you get cliffhangers for book one and book two and and i'm gonna say it's a happy ending for book three i leave it open so if i want to do some offshoots okay but there's a twist at the end twists are always fun so tell me how did you get into writing sci-fi um Technically, I got into it because of my two boys. Um, you know, I have created stories in my head for years. It's, in some ways, it's the only way I survived my teen years was just to live in a whole fantasy world. Um, so creating stories were, was fairly easy for me. Um, how I got into the post-apocalyptic portion, I did do the, the double genre with the time travel. Um, 
is my fascination with end of the world, you know, Revelate, Book of Revelations, end of the world scenarios. I love all the disaster movies you can ever dream up. Um, and so being able to take my imagination and kind of weld it into a story was nice. And what happened was, is my, my boys, when they were being homeschooled, um, their father required them. We were separated at the time and I was taking care of my mother in Kennewick, Washington. They were in, in uh, Montana and he required them to write for NaNoWriMo, a writer's month contest. And even I didn't like writing when I was in school. Okay. And I hated math even worse. And if I had been given the opportunity to simply write for an entire month and do no history, no math, I would have jumped on it. Oh, not my voice. Nope. So I decided to write from where I was at and be their little partner and try to give them incentive and encouragement. And I ended up out of the four of us, including my ex-husband, I ended up with the most words and that I ended up turning into my magnet free story called Year of Reckoning 2250. Um, that's the one that I'll eventually um, get to completing. And then the next year I started another story. That's the one I was telling you might get a little gruesome. Um, and didn't finish it. Then I was like, well, my oldest graduated, I'm done with this. And I gave myself a break, but I kept getting the Facebook posts and the emails. And in 2018, November, 2018, I was getting, and I thought, oh, well, the rules have changed. I'll look at the old story, the first one I created. And so I printed it out and took it with me on a bus ride to New York. <laughs> and I started reading it and I'm like, oh, I really don't want to mess with this. So I put it back in the folder and went and did my photography stuff in New York and came home and started dreaming up a whole nother story. I did learn a lesson, at least put some notes down because all of my story creation seems to happen when I'm trying to go to sleep. And therefore, if I don't put something down when I wake up, I end up with what happened on November 1st and I'm staring at a blank screen going, crap, how did I start that story? And then had to figure out a new start, which now I'm revising because I've learned a lot of things about, you know, uh, show versus tell. You know, I, I've increased my knowledge and I've had a lot of author friends that have helped me, you know, uh, with all of that. So I've been learning and it's been a learning process. So that is the coolest author story I think I've heard. Like, so did your sons help you with some scenes or help you with ideas in your books or it was more just like who can do the most challenge? No, it was who could do the most challenge. Like I said, they really didn't want to write. Um, and despite all of that, despite everything that they went through, my oldest graduated honor grad in basic training in the Air Force. My youngest managed to survive a college class at 16. Hadn't had, these guys hadn't had any structure of anything since the end of eighth grade and then sixth grade, you know, so no structure. Um, and then, you know, and my youngest had to get his uh, GED, well, you know, uh, they call it a high set and he did it with only a day's notice. Wow. and passed and he was worried about his writing and got like six out of eight points so you know really proud despite all their not wanting to do their schoolwork they really learned a lot mostly on their own you know they were very self-motivated but only what they were interested in <laughs> like my oldest taught himself to read write and speak Japanese and managed to convince the Air Force to send him to Okinawa so he spent three years there <laughs> That's very cool. That's great skills to have. I cannot admit that I liked writing until 
I started doing technical writing for a job. And that was the first time I started liking to write. My um, graduate advisor actually kind of showed me how to do technical writing. And then I finally got it. Like it had finally clicked in my head, but it was even like 20 years after that, that I would have, that I picked up something to write creatively. So um, I think when we have to write, we don't want to, we want to dig our feet in and we don't want anything to do with it. But if we're writing for us and uh, for others to read, like I really had no intention at the time to put it out there. But when I got 50,000 words in one NaNoWriMo, the book was nowhere near finished. Okay. I thought nobody's ever going to know I wrote this. So why not just throw it up on Amazon? You know, um, I was concerned when I threw, threw this up on Amazon because of money issues, because I'm a disabled veteran and I'm on social security disability. So, you know, those things, money, they look at it all weird. But so I also decided because of that, I wouldn't be able to complete the book as one book. So to make it easier on myself, I split it into three. And that's how I ended up with the series. That is, and so it's a complete series now, correct? Yes, yes. Fun. And I hear, well, I sent some questions ahead of time. So I have a little bit of knowledge. You have something new coming in the pipeline? Um, yes, I have a, I'm currently rewriting uh, and editing book one to make it as strong as books two and three after my learning process. Um, and then I will be combining that into a box set, an ebook box set that hopefully will come out early next year in the spring. Um, and of course, I will also update the paperback as a second edition and pull down the first one. Nice. That's awesome. And something about a new short story. Is that your um, reader magnet that you were talking about that you're going to make into a novel? Right, right. My short story, I'm going to leave it the way it is because um, a lot of people have read it but when I do the novel again from a lot of things that I've learned and think and such the novel is going to be very is going to be similar to the short story because it's all the same information but I'm going to be restructuring that information so people as they're reading the first part of the book will be going hey I know this I know what I've read but this is different this is better hopefully <laughs> um, so I plan on um, once I get done with this other stuff I plan on expanding that into a full story and hopefully I'll have that published before Christmas next year fun and is that the same genre um, post-apocalyptic it is basically a story of a group of people that uh, survived in uh, restructured mine shafts for again I don't know what it is with the 250 years but I may I may shorten that um, excuse me but they survived for a long time and there's a group of them that want to get out but they're not allowed to leave and so they're working on their you know covertly on how to get out of there um, but they basically avoided a planet killer asteroid that hit the planet very cool um and i have to ask do you have zombies in these books at all or no <laughs> no zombies as of yet oh um, in book three i they're not i don't think they're gonna be zombies but book three started out as a comet hitting the planet um, not too worried about it. You know, it's small. It's not going to do any damage. But what they don't know is it's carrying an alien virus. It's going to kill a good portion of the population. You'll have three groups. Population that is killed, 
the population that is immune but infected and then those that change. Interesting. So new stuff to come. That's very intriguing. Yeah, I had a virus in my dystopia novel and I wrote it in 2019 and I released it, the first book at the end of 2019. And it happens after like one worldwide pandemic and then a new worldwide pandemic is on the brink. And so you can imagine that wasn't the best received book in 2020. I have to say it was not good timing. It felt really eerie to me, like, because I even in the novel, I even said that there was this conspiracy theory that China released the virus and it was, you know, they were trying to kill the Western world and all of these things. And I was like, oh, this is too creepy. So um. (laughs) I'm surprised you didn't get a bunch of hate mail. I have an author friend that has gotten tons of hate mail even threats to her life because of books she released like seven years ago. Oh, okay. Freaky. And it's exactly related in, in, you know, it was almost like she predicted the future. Right. People really got upset about it. (laughs) I guess I'm not that popular. Maybe people didn't find me. (laughs) (laughs) That's probably a good thing for now. And that is a good thing for now. I will just sit on that thought. (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, and, and another author friend that, she'd already penned a pandemic style book and they waited to release it until, you know, this year. That would have been smart. Yeah. I released my first one before and I already had the second one in the queue. And really it's not much about the virus because the kids were sent away to a desert community to escape the virus. And so they are trying to survive, but also there's lots of government issues and conspiracies that are trying to battle against. So it's really more about their story and not really much about right. the pandemic because yeah. So, but it's hard to explain that. So yeah. I'll just sit with it for a little bit, maybe like it, it'll make, season. it'll make traction. <laughs> we'll cross our fingers. Right. <laughs> Do you have any other, well, first tell us everywhere we can find you. Oh boy. Uh, so that's Barbara J. Gilbert, that's your author name. Right. So you can go to my website, BJ Gil, or yeah, nope, not BJ, sorry. Too much for photography lately. Um, BarbaraJGilbert.com. That's my uh, author website. You can find me on Facebook as um, author, you know, just look up uh, Barbara Gilbert or author Barbara Gilbert. Um, I also have a reader group called Circle of Catastrophe, again, on Facebook. So just type it in the search bar. Um, you can find, uh, see, you can find me on Amazon. I've got a little Amazon, you know, bio thing there. And as far as finding me, that's all the places you, oh, you can find me on Goodreads and BookBubs. So. Awesome. And your series, your present series is Future, Future Apocalypse. And you told me it's wide, correct? Yes, it just went wide on the ebooks. It's been wide on the paperbacks for a while. Um, so you can get the ebooks at Barnes online at Barnes and Nobles, uh, Kobo, uh, Apple Store, uh, Scribd, and, and I think a few other places, especially even the foreign markets. They, you know, we've got a German one and a couple others. Um, and then, of course, I left them up on Amazon because it just I make a little bit more from Amazon when they're on sale than I would on, you know, from 
where I'm doing the wide. So yeah, you can find me just about anywhere online now. Fun. It sounds like this would be a great series to dive into for a winter break. I, I agree. <laughs> well, thank you for being here, Barbara. And I hope that you have a wonderful day. You too. Thank you very much. It was so fun hosting dystopian sci-fi author Barbara J. Gilbert. You can find all of her books on her website at barbarajgilbert.com. I've got tons of great content coming up, including a preview of my just released audiobook, To Be a Fae Queen, and its sequel, To Be a Fae Guardian. Make sure to subscribe to the Finding the Magic podcast and invite all of your book friends. For more of my content, find me at trishacopeland.com. Until next time, keep finding the magic.